49ers fifth round cornerback Darrell Luter out of South Alabama. Did the 49ers do it again? Is this the fifth round gem future starter that the 49ers seem to pluck out of the draft every single year? And we got some news on Trey Lance and where he might be on the depth chart coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks everybody for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're talking 49ers fifth rounder, Darrell Luter on today's program. Some news as well about Trey Lance a little bit later and uh, um, some backtracking from a major NFL national analyst about what he thinks is going on with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and Croc, I think you want to address something right off the bat too about some some prospect comparisons that you were making on the podcast. Got some listeners up in arms uh, about some of your comparisons and, and how we were we were talking about some of these prospects of the 49ers draft. Yeah, I think when you mention certain guys, they assume that you're comparing this guy to that guy. So when I bring up, like, you know, Jamar Chase, he does this, but then he does this extremely well. And then I'm talking about Bell, and they're like, oh, you're comparing. Why are you comparing Bell? To Jamar Chase, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm not. I'm trying to explain why one guy is a seventh-round pick and one guy is either the fifth overall or, in the case of Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, a guy that's going in the late 20s or, you know, early 30s. Like, just kind of the difference between, like, why is he going, Bill, going where he's going? And some of the things that he, I feel like he's missing. And then, you know, we were asked to compare him to other guys, which I thought we did, right? We compared him to, uh, you know, just talked about him in the sense of a slot, Kind of more of a Jawan Jennings type guy, like yeah, Kendrick Bourne. We talked about, yeah, he's a different type of receiver. Uh, we talked about Kendrick Bourne and some of the things that Kendrick Bourne brings to the table. Maybe not being the fastest guy, but how he worked his way onto a roster while not being a great special teamer. So we mentioned Bourne, and we were asked to compare him to Trent Taylor. So you look at Trent Taylor, and one thing I feel like people forget about Trent Taylor, he was a monster at La Tech. And this is without me looking at any numbers, but just remember going back, I think he was like a 1,600-yard receiver. And, I mean, 130 catches or something like that that last year. And then when he went to the Senior Bowl and just everybody that lined up against him in the slot, he's just destroying guys in the slot. So Trent Taylor went late because he wasn't the fastest and he was small on top of that. But how he won and where he was going to be consistent with winning was extremely clear. All right, so when Trent, Trent Taylor came in and was, you know, catching all these slants for first downs from Jimmy Garoppolo and doing well, then he's returning punts. Well, none of that was a surprise because it was like, well, he consistently won that way. And I think with Bill, as the, with the prospect that he is, we're still we're trying to figure out what's going to be his niche at the next level. And because he can't hang his hat on one thing, even if he has certain things where he struggles at, then how does he overcome this? I, I personally would not have drafted him. I even brought up A.T. Perry. Right where I'm like, if I'm gonna take a flyer on a guy, well, I would have drafted AT Perry sixth round over Bell in the seventh. Now, Bell might be great, and you know he has the right mindset. He's a terrific blocker. Uh, you know, maybe he ends up being a great special teamer. Then he just gets an opportunity, and all of a sudden, he's the greatest 49er receiver ever outside of Ter Terrell Owens and Jerry Rice. <laughs> but as of right now, it feels like because I'm searching for that way that he's gonna be consistent. 
in the NFL and what he can hang his hat on is just hard. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what that is yet. Trent Taylor, I knew what that was. Slot receiver creates initial separation, catches the ball, makes tough catches, you know, be a punt returner. It was very clear. With Bell, I'm not quite sure yet. Disrespecting, by the way, Croc, Trent Taylor's 2016 Louisiana Tech numbers. 136 receptions, 1,803 yards, and 12 touchdowns as a senior at La Tech. He was going crazy. I said, I said 133 catches. Okay, 136, and and a couple. I shorted him a couple hundred yards. I mean, he had a terrific year, terrific year. He was like their guy. The the year before too, his junior year, 99 catches, 1,282 yards, nine more touchdowns. As a sophomore, 64 catches, 834 yards, and nine touchdowns. So we're talking red zone production here as well, because this isn't a downfield guy who was catching a lot of deep passes down the field. He was, you know, he was that same guy he was in the NFL, third down weapon, go three wide, slot, and like he had the quicks to separate underneath. So uh, I don't think there's any comparison at all between Ronnie Bell and uh, and Trent Taylor. They just they play different. Uh, they can kind of both play in the slot. I think that will be his role. But yeah, the the way they move, the way they play. Very different. In fact, I think, I think, um, I think Trent Taylor's third best season in college football, his sophomore year, was still better than any season Ronnie Bell ever had. Right now, we are talking about La Tech, so you know, you know, they were spread, yeah, Big Ten, but yeah, you're going to catch a lot of passes. I think they had another receiver that was good at that time, but not he wasn't Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor, he went fifth round, and that's things too. You can kind of figure out why a guy goes a little bit later. He went fifth round. He's just small and didn't run a great 40 time. But the production, the ability, and a clear vision on, hey, what we can do with this guy day one, he was always going to be that. And fun fact, Trent Taylor's little brother went to, guess what school? University of Arkansas Monticello. Hey. Wow, okay. Yeah, went to my, went to my college. He was, there after, he was there after me, but. Oh, Carlos Henderson was the other receiver. He had 1,500 yards the same year. They yeah, were chucking so, it yeah, all so over the place. Receiver there, yeah. And Trent Taylor's still in the NFL. Still, again, when you have a niche, even if he's not catching a lot of passes for the Bengals, hey, man, I could be y'all punt returner. <laughs> so, uh, as it pertains to another 49ers draft pick here, Croc, uh, Darrell Luter Jr., the cornerback out of South Alabama. Are we comping him to Jalen Ramsey, Deion Sanders? What's what's the comp here for, for Darrell Luter? I was thinking more closer to Darrell Revis. Okay. <laughs> the island. Luter Island. <laughs> uh, Luter is very interesting. And I, I would say as far as evals, right, Bale is, kind of, is a little bit harder in the eval because you're looking for like, okay, where does he win consistently? Uh, same with. Isaiah Winstead. I think it was kind of easy to figure out, okay, I think Winstead would be good in this type of role. With Luter, it was like, you can line him up and press. He wants to play man coverage. Like, if I'm a man-heavy team, he fits in that. Everything that he did was maybe 90% man or 85% man. Like, there was a lot of man. They left him to the boundary and would just say, hey, you go guard that guy. Go play press. Hey, and you can even play off and you can catch him. All right. There were times where I saw him play zone. That it, I didn't feel it didn't feel like there was a lot of zone, but maybe because of how they did it. Uh, you know, I talked about some of my Jets days, and one thing that I learned from Dennis Thurman was that you can play, you can you can use press alignment from pretty much any coverage. 
except for like Sky Cover 3. But outside of Sky Cover 3, you can line up and press alignment. Now, a little school in here. Press alignment, is that's just your alignment, line up and press. So when you see people sit, talk about, hey, man, if you're going to line up and press, why not get hands on? Well, press is just where you're lined up. The act of jamming is an actual technique. So you got press alignment, then you got jamming. And jamming is trying to get hands on. Maybe like cover two, you could be more aggressive. Uh, cover two, man, you could be more aggressive. But in certain coverages, hey, I can line up and press alignment and press bail out. So kind of those fire zone cover threes, maybe a quarters. And you would see him do those things where he lines up at the line of scrimmage. And then, okay, kind of reads a guy. Oh, he goes drag right now. Let me fall off and look for work. And I thought he did a really good job of that. A lot of that really reminded me of Ambry Thomas. Now, comparing prospects. Ambry Thomas, while he tested very well, I, I think Luter has a little bit more twitch, a little more twitch to him. And Ambry, it was clear, this guy is best suited to play more at the line of scrimmage. And I thought he would do very well there. And it's just something that they've kind of gone away from with him. But uh, with Luter, it's like, I see a little bit better, a little better change of direction. It's not a whole lot, but it is a little bit better. And he seems to really trust himself while playing off. Now, uh, some of where I feel about Ambry Thomas and not as twitched up, well, I watched him play against, De you know, De De Devontae Smith in Alabama. And that was like, oh, okay, he kind of struggles off. So, uh, Luder, I didn't watch him against Devontae Smith or any receiver that's like that. So, you know, it's, it's a little unfair to kind of compare, you know, watching Devontae Smith against Ambry Thomas and Luder against Chad Bobo, a big, slower receiver out of UCLA. But he was very comfortable playing off, and it didn't look like he was ever in any type of panic. And that was one of the things on the scouting report where they kind of pushed back on his ability to play off in his zone, where I thought he had pretty good zone eyes in the games that I watched. Uh, looking at the, the height, weight, speed stuff, not all that far off was Darrell Luter from Ambry Thomas coming out, you know, right around six feet, 190. Uh, Darrell Luter, 5'11 and three quarters, seven eighths, just a hair under six feet, 189 pounds at the combine, ran 4'4'6, four, four, a nice 10 yard split, 154 on his 4'4'6 four, four, 40 time, a 40 and a half inch vertical jump, 10 3 broad jump, 4'4'3 four, four, in the short shuttle. 690, which is really fast in the three cone for a for a little bit of a, a longer limbed corner. And it's the arm length and, and the 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 wingspan. Crazy the, arm length. Something that you really notice and jumps out to me on on screen from Darrell Luter. 32 and three eighths, uh 32 and five eighths arm length that is pro day. They measure it slightly differently. So uh, you know, 32 and a half inch arms, basically 10 and three quarters. Ten and a quarter inch hands, which are really big mitts, huge. and so you see those, those like, long. Beckham. Beckham has huge hands, so yes, oh, absolutely, yeah, similar for for Odell Beckham. Helps catch the football and uh, helps you get that little extra finger in there to, to break up passes. Okay, more on Darrell Luter Jr. What are his strengths and weaknesses? Uh, what's his role for the San Francisco 49ers as a rookie? Where could he end up on the depth chart? And uh, does he play to those workout numbers on the field next? Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. How much time do you spend on yourself in a given week? How much do you how much time do you spend on other people, right? And how do you balance those two? Do you spend any time on yourself or is everything job working for everybody else around you and you never take time for yourself? It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs around you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But 
When we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling a little stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking about starting therapy, you got to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge and get working on yourself as well as everybody else around you on a daily and weekly basis. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash on today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on all right croc drill looter 511 and three quarters or seven eighths depending on whose measurements you're you're listening to 189 they tall, man they, they they short he's six feet tall I said, he's gonna be he's it's gonna say six feet 189 probably in the program maybe even 190 we'll see if he gained that pound back or if he dropped a couple because he did he did lose two pounds from the combine to the pro day 187 uh at his pro day but showed up, uh, before he weighed in at his pro day <laughs> an eighth of an inch taller and uh and an eighth an inch longer arms too so um it's that length that stands out to me you know four four six speeds good 40 time for you know n- not a small corner not a big corner necessarily uh, you know, great vertical jump numbers. So some explosive ability. Um, it, it was really shocking to me when I looked at his at mockdraftable.com, looked at his athletic profile and saw some of his comparables because one of the top 10 or so comparable prospects for him was Richard Sherman. Now, Richard Sherman's 6'3", but it was that arm length, big hands, a good three-cone time with some length. I think that's what the comparisons were athletically with Richard Sherman, even though I wouldn't put him in the same category. And then I'm watching him on tape, Croc, and maybe it's just some of the opponents they're going against at South Alabama might be smaller receivers, and that happens a lot where college players look a lot smaller when they get to the NFL. I think Michael Crabtree is my best example of that. He was listed at like 6'4 at Texas Tech. And, you know, he's catching everything. He looks so big out there. And he gets to the NFL, and it turns out he was 6'1 and 7'8 at the Combine. And he's like, oh, he's kind of big, but he wasn't a big receiver in the NFL. He was just, you know, a little above average size receiver. But he didn't look nearly as as uh, just intimidating on the field as he did in college. But when I see Darrell Luter on the field, and it's probably just the arm length, and, you know, I think he's got longer legs as well. The way he's built, I'm like, man, that looks like a six one six two corner. If you if I just watched him, I'd be like, man, I can't. That guy's probably six one. So he does that. The length shows on the field, and I like his movement skills with the you know the longer limbs. Well, Peacock, we've talked about that, right? And the way that the NFL measures you, I was six feet tall, like six feet and a half inches, and there's nobody that has ever walked up on me and been like, hey, man, are you closer to five eleven than you are six two? <laughs> you think that, right? You look at me and it's like, oh, Croc's like six, six one, six two. Most yeah. kids, they, you know, when they see me, they're like, hey, how tall are you? Six two? They think they're six feet tall. I'm like, well, actually, if, you, if you're going by my NFL measurements, I'm just barely over six feet tall. So when you see Luter, I, I could, I can see why, especially with the long limbs, that someone like him would, on even on film, look taller than six feet tall. You are six one in my program, Croc. For the record, <laughs> I, I'll probably that's that's my legit. Like I tell people, oh, I'm six one. Six one. But in yeah. the back of my head, I know I'm kind of lying. So, <laughs> yeah. that, that's look. That that's an okay look. You're you're over six feet, so you could round up to the next one. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, there's a lot of five nine and a halfs out there that are going. Oh, yeah, I'm about six feet. <laughs> right. Yeah. I ain't jump. I'm not uh, stretching it that much. 
yeah, it's all right though. Shout out to the short kings out there is, is I guess what they're calling them these days. <laughs> uh, man. Um, but not a short king. He's he's just a he's just a king. I, I like Darrell Luter, man. Did, did the 49ers find their fifth round gem this year in Luter? Like, is this someone that you could project to be someone who's competing for a starting job this year? Is he going to be a guy who's you know just hanging out and, and playing little special teams and and not really a, a, a guy's jersey that you see on the field on Sundays? You know, I talked about it during the draft process, right? When you're drafting late third round, like that's when you start picking it's hard to find someone that is like for sure going to step in and just be a day one starter. That's not to say you can't find a guy. Last year you had Spencer Burford. I don't think anybody expected at the time of the pick, oh, this guy's going to step in and just be a day one starter. He slid over to that guard spot and he was a starter the entire season, even though it was kind of a little, little weird, rotated with Daniel Brunskill and whatever mm -hmm. they had going on. But you didn't think like, oh, you're just getting a day one guy. And they, and they did, right? So when I look at Luter and where he was picked, if, if anybody, and this kind of my issue with the bail pick, right? Give yourself an opportunity to have somebody that potentially can compete for a starting job. I don't think that Bell can. And he probably wasn't drafted to be. But if you got A.T. Perry, <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave the A.T. Perry thing alone. But when it comes to Luter and you, and you watch kind of some of the things he does, I could see a very realistic scenario where, hey, we got our starter at corner right now. You know, we, we like D'Amador Lenore. You know, Ambry Thomas has started games for us. Samuel Womack, he has a lot of ability and versatility as well. But you got a chance to legitimately beat those guys out. Now, bold prediction, I think he will start this year. And I don't even think it has to be by injury. I, I, I think he'll start to catch on, and he's in the same kind of tier as those guys as prospects. And maybe even slightly a bump up, because when you look at, like, Diamondola Lenore, he's taller. He's just as fast. Change of direction is really good, right? Maybe he's not a slot defender, but, you know, when you look, and I'm talking about Luda compared to Damodou Lenore, it's like I could see a scenario where he ends up kind of just being better. Now, Lenore ain't going to give it up like that. He called himself a hyena. He is a dog. He's had to really work to get on that roster and, and be on the field. He had to go through a lot of adversity of playing, then not playing, and then another guy playing over you, and then, okay, I, the injuries, and, oh, and then I'm, I'm playing in the slot. Then, okay, move me outside and, Got bombed on a couple times late. Came back in the playoffs, made multiple interceptions, big-time plays. So, clearly, Diamondo Lenore is not going to just give up his spot. But as far as uh, Luder goes, I feel like he is legitimately a guy who can compete for that spot. Now, here was what I think is going to happen. You'll have every opportunity to start and try to, you know, overtake one of these guys. Kyle Shanahan, I don't think they, they don't care. They're just going to play whoever the best guy is. But if it doesn't look quite right throughout this year, oh, they're drafting the corner high next year. Like they, that's what they're going to do. Corner offensive tackle could see either the, either one of those scenarios, depending on uh, how things go for them this year or during the twenty twenty three season when they finally have a first round pick and a second round pick again in the twenty twenty four draft. Um, and right now, projected three third round picks, three third round comp yeah. picks, not even counting their personal pick. And of course, they're going to trade one of those away. There might be some deadline action again this year. We'll see. They've got those extra picks to play with. Um, or who knows, maybe they trade for someone before the draft happens next offseason. But let's not get ahead of ourselves here. So Darrell Luter, um, interesting looking back at his his high school career. So he was uh, on the basketball team, two-year starter there, and also on the track team and had you know some, some pretty big-time jumps and 200-meter uh, runner. He had... Uh, 
long jump of 20 feet, 10 inches, triple jump, 43, three. So uh, you, you see the 40 and a half inch vertical. You think about those long arms, big hands. I bet he's a, I bet he's a dunker because being able to palm the ball 10 and right. a quarter inch hands, that's absolutely helpful. So we uh, did have somebody that asked why, why does the jumping matter? Like the vertical jump, the broad jump. And for me, it's just a measure, another measure of just explosiveness. Yes. So you kind of tie all that together. And, you know, they spit out the relative athletic score, but it just helps with just this is an explosive athlete. Uh, so that's kind of what you're looking for in some of these guys. Right. And so you see a four, four, six. It's like, OK, that's how long it took, took him to run 40 yards. Are we talking about a guy who's got build up speed? Is he still reaching his top speed there? Is he more of a strider? But with him, it looks like out of the out of the breaks, he's good out of the box because, um, you know, vertical jump explosion, exploding out of his stance, one, five, four, 10 yard split, which is really fast as well. So he had, he does have some explosive um, ability in a, in a short area, a nice three cone as well to show some some movement skills. Um so talking about Luter really quick, Croc. So, you know, man heavy. He went to junior college first, then uh, then played a little bit sparingly in 2020. And that was the COVID year. And then two-year starter, junior and se- senior seasons. Older prospect, 23 years old, already has a kid. So I, I do think that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, he's a um, – He's a guy that maybe could come in and play early just because he's, you know, he's kind of a grown man already. 23 years old. He's he's a father and he's been through some life experiences. And so maybe he could transition, you know, just because of, you know, his um, what 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 life experience he has versus another 21 year old college kid that might be coming out of school. Do you know how many of those guys don't have like legit life experience outside of like maybe man, I grew up in the hood, tough times, and you know, but a lot of these guys that are going to the NFL. We're kind of like the guy in Pop Warner, the guy in high school. Yeah, you know, they were they, talking the about they were talking college. to Alabama when they were fifteen. Yeah, it's like they were always. It was like I'm going to the league, and, and that's what they think, right? Maybe some of them don't, but a lot of them end up getting opportunities at the league. And it was like, well, yeah, we saw that from when he was a little kid. Everybody knew. Well, they've never had a job, never had any like legit, like like real adversity. Everyone's helping them through everything their whole life, getting away with stuff. Right. So, you know, you yeah. see some of these guys that had to go the junior college route, play out of smaller school, uh, you know, had a child at a young age and kind of how that kind of changes your mentality a little bit, uh, especially for definitely for women. And they mature faster than men. But for the male as well to kind of, you know, in your head, like, man, I, I got to kind of I gotta take care of this child. And you're still a kid uh, for the most part. So it does. I remember getting to the league and some of my teammates be like a job. What? Like, what is that? This is my only job I've ever had. Like, man, I don't work at McD- uh, Walmart, Target, uh, as a security guard. I worked at warehouse. I worked at all kinds of stuff before I got to the league. And these guys were like, you had a job? So, yeah, the, the real experience thing, it kind of, I remember just my mentality, even though I just wasn't as talented as a lot of guys and wasn't as talented as Luter. But, you know, for Luter that possess the talent that he has and go through some of the, you know, the junior college, the, the child and all that it definitely changes kind of your your why and your reason for why you're doing it. So I'm curious to see if he comes in and is like hard hat, all business. Uh, I'm not here to play. I'm not here to be friends with nobody. I'm just trying to come in here and grind. And how that kind of changes, you know, how he's, you know, his his status on the roster throughout the year. So a lot of, a lot of man man heavy scheme there at South Alabama, and I, I think we can check that off. The scouting reports said. Not great and off. You want you want a uh, press man, and so 49ers, his, uh, historically, we'll see what it looks like this year with Steve Wilkes. Maybe it starts to look a little bit different, but you know, off man zone 
Do you, do you think that's as easy of a transition for him? Zone is typically easier. And that was weird, too, to hear them say, well, not, you know, not strong in cover three. And it's like, zone is easier. Like, I can teach you zone. I, I, when I'm evaluating defensive backs, I'm looking for just press skills. Man, like, NFL is a man league. Like, you're, you're going to have to, when, the, when it's time to, to really ride, you're going to have to play man. Like, the zone stuff, you, you know, we can teach you kind of how to read your keys and you'll be in position and whatnot. But the man stuff, like, that's that's the hard stuff. Now, with the hard part with zone is just all the different checks and things that they have, like, in a split second at the NFL level. Like, that's difficult. And if you don't get that, then you can end up playing slower. But just from the standpoint of just I can learn how to do that. Being able to just play man and mirror and match the skills of a guy and, hey, you can lead me over here to the boundary and I can run vertically with guys. and You know, I think he did that well. And then we're talking about the off coverage. It, the way that he was able to play catch, I mean, that was one of the most impressive things I've seen while watching film in years. Explain what you mean when you're, when you're talking about catch. So catch technique, usually you're lining up about five, six yards off, and you're kind of squatting and you're a man, and the receiver has – a full head start at you and he can run and he has a two-way go and he wants to try to get around you and without even any help you'd see him and single there'd be a single high safety but he's just kind of out there essentially on an island and it's like hey i'm not worried he doesn't back out he doesn't create the space for the receiver to really work even more space he just sit there and maybe take a step or so and then just get him right in position to up oh, gotcha and He'd cover the guy, squeeze the route, and break a route. And I watched him for his tight ends. He was even more patient because those guys are big. You can see their moves coming. Man, he boom, he jumped one tight end to the ground. Uh, and other guys, I just see him just catch him and good. And he did that, I mean, against receivers on the outside, against tight ends on tight splits. Uh, that was one of the most impressive things I've seen on film, just because I know how difficult that is. You got to really trust your ability to be able to do that. You got to trust it for real. All right, Darrell Luter, he might be that gem for the San Francisco 49ers. They've been doing it just about every single draft in the fifth round. Is this the one this year? Croc thinks maybe might even see some starting reps from Darrell Luter as uh, as a as a rookie. So uh, I'm excited for this one. Can't wait to see what he looks like in the scarlet and gold. Next, Croc, let's talk about the backtracking from Ian Rappaport because uh, he thought maybe Sam Darnold might be the guy that would be ahead of Trey Lance and the San Francisco 49ers pushing back on that idea going into camp next. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers out there. Tomorrow we'll be back with another Winky Wednesday talking about everything going on with your San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, Croc and I uh, will be here every day throughout the offseason getting ready for 2023 and breaking down all the 49ers draft picks and some of these undrafted free agents as well. All right. So interesting comments from Ian Rappaport on the uh, Pat McAfee show to uh, Monday. What day? Monday, Croc. And uh, he, he had kind of talked about before that that he it, it, that he had felt like, and I don't know if it was a, a report. I think a lot of people took it as a report. I think a lot of people take anything that Schefter or Rappaport say as like, oh, he's hearing this from somebody. This is a report because that's what the team thinks. That's, you know, um, and Isn't I that what they do? I, I thought that's what they do. That's what I they thought, mostly do. But I think there's sometimes insider, right? Like, isn't that what he is? He's an insider, yes. so you get the scoop from inside the building. And I've always took their work. Like when they say things, I'm like, you gotta be hearing that. Yeah, and it kind of depends how they they put it. Um, 
I mean, I we we went through 2021 in the NFL draft, right? And we know the 49ers didn't take Mac Jones. So we know that there's going to be some misinformation out there as well. There's going to be uh, all different levels of, you know, an agent's talking, a team's talking, uh, and then trying to slew things. And I think they're putting some things together as well. But basically, uh, Rappaport said on the McAfee show that uh, he got pushback from the 49ers organization when he was talking about that he thought Sam Darnold might be the guy who was going to be taking those first team reps with Brock Purdy. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's really interesting because the 49ers are like, nope, not the case. So that's his report now officially that the 49ers are essentially saying Trey Lance right now is QB one with no Brock Purdy. Right. They're, 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 the way they responded was, you know, what, what why are you skipping over Trey Lance? <laughs> yeah. Why, like, why are you, where are you getting that? Why would you say that? Yeah. And then his response on the Pat McAfee show was just Trey hasn't played. Don't know who he is or, or what he is. And it's true. Like I get it. But my, my whole thing was, I thought he was hearing it. So that's why these reports are coming out. Right. It's just his opinion, which is very understandable. If I was on the outside looking in, Hey, Sam Darnold, and we've talked about it. He's had some bad situations in the NFL. I mean, he was even going back to the last year at USC. Bad situation, get drafted to the New York Jets. Bad situation, you go to the Carolina Panthers. Bad situation. And then last year, after the whole thing with Baker Mayfield and it being a competition, but not even really a competition, that you had to bench and then trade Baker Mayfield away. And then he gets a chance to play. And it's like, hey, they finished the season strong. And I think people are excited about that. But Overall, there's been a lot of bad with him. And they're thinking, I, I would assume, a guy with his type of talent and ability, which is why he went number three overall. Hey, man, we're going to – all that stuff is in the past. He's going to a great organization uh, that has a terrific leader in Kyle Shanahan with a lot of weapons that really help uh, make it a little bit easier to play the quarterback position. So if there's any place where a guy who has played a lot and a lot more than Trey Lance – and has high end ability, which he does. Not on, you know, not Josh Allen ability or anything like that. But you know, best thrower in 49er history, according to Mayoko, <laughs> right? Uh, this is the perfect situation for a guy like that. So that's why I feel like a lot of people are putting him over Trey Lance. Just oh, it's just an afterthought. He's gonna beat out Trey Lance. I just I love the underdog. So just and. It's weird to call a number three overall pick and Trey Lance an underdog. But right yeah. now, I'd say in this scenario where you got Brock Purdy, that whole thing, you bring in Sam Donald, everybody's saying he's going to just play over you right away. Lance kind of the underdog. And I'm, I'm just curious to see, how does he respond to all that? It seems like he's made up of all the right stuff. He, he is. But you go out, you got to go out there and you got to be good. And you got to play good. And you got to instill the same level of confidence in your teammates as Brock Purdy has. And can he do that in the offseason? Or at least to the extent of, at the very least, I'm the backup quarterback and not just this th third string throwaway court quarterback who let Sam Darnold beat him out. Right. It's, it, you, you, Trey Lance has to at least make everybody aware that it sure as hell isn't going to be Sam Darnold that's playing quarterback as long as Trey Lance is healthy. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and maybe even take that job away from Brock Purdy. So uh, I can't wait. And look, to be honest with you, where we're at right now, Croc, is where we should have been and where it seemed like it always was. And maybe we should just stop listening to the outside noise because we talked about it on the show. We're like, it doesn't make sense. Like Sam Darnold, like he had a, a couple good games. His Sam Darnold's most recent game, by the way, in that six game stretch, his, his very last game with the, with the Carolina Panthers, uh, 
five for 15 passing, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. It was like he threw this really <laughs> awful interception too, where he's like tossing. They leave that out. You know? I mean, dude, he had three touchdowns the week before, which is doing a lot of the work on his uh, stats for those six games. And they went four and two, but they're leaning heavily on the ground game. And, you know, they weren't like, hey, Sam Darnold, go win us some football games. So, like, the whole Sam Darnold thing was just really weird that people thought that he was immediately ahead of Trey Lance because it just it just never made any sense. And, like, how could – I, it I think – It doesn't make sense, though, Peacock, because they don't know who Lance is. I mean, we still – We still we already – I would rather not know that you're terrible because we know what Sam Darnold has been. He's played 55 games and averaging two turnovers a game. It's, it's like, like we already know what Sam Darnold is, and it's bad. No, it's so like I would crazy. take the unknown of the, the younger player that you're still developing when there's been some good tape out there. We know a little bit about Trey Lance, and there's no evidence that's like, oh, this guy's garbage. Terrible, right. So. I think it's like credit, where with credit, they, they tell you it's better to have kind of bad credit than no credit. Which is a lie, first of all, because <laughs> you can build up good credit quick, and you can't get rid of bad credit quick. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so I is I'm curious to see how that's probably going to be one of the more intriguing storylines throughout this entire offseason, at least on the West Coast. Just Sam Donald, Trey Lance, what do they look like? Because right now they're going through things. They're throwing the ball. It's just probably just on air. You know, hey, got this bang eight, got this slant, got this deep out. What does it look like? You know, they're doing those type of things. And then sh- soon they'll have a mini camp. And then you get to see kind of like live action and, and really hear a lot more about what's going on and what it looks like and kind of the, the snaps and who's taking more first team snacks to send Darnold, you know, how's he looked on the ball? Does Trey Lance look comfortable? Because here's the thing. If, and all we have to go off of is if, because we just don't know, but if Lance starts to look comfortable, it can get tricky for a lot of people. Dude. And the, the 49ers know a lot more than like, us or Rappaport, you know, Rappaport wasn't at training camp watching all the snaps from Trey Lance. So like, you know, we can say, Oh, we don't know. Cause we haven't seen enough games from Trey Lance, but the 49ers have been around him for two years. They've seen him in practice. They know how he's wired. And, um, and, and that, that, that will go a long way into to what sort of opportunity he gets this year, but obviously he has to show a lot more and, you know, preseason is going to be huge and, I can't wait for practice box score season where we hear about uh, what, what the the completion percentages were for these quarterbacks in practice, which is always fun. Uh, but it's going to be another one of those. It's going to be Lance it's versus Gabbard and, and Colin Kaepernick all over again. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yep. Yep. That's where we're headed. Uh, it's so fun. I like the offseason sometimes, but sometimes uh, it gets a little old. That's why we're talking. We're going to be talking more about draft picks than uh, than Trey Lance and, and Sam Darnold here on the podcast. But it's like crock clockwork crock cro- is, is kind of like clockwork once a week there's a quarterback story that surrounds the 49ers every time next week there's gonna be another one I don't know what's gonna be but there's gonna be another one it's gonna be about Sam Darnold being at the game with 49 players and where's Trey Lance oh, yeah. where's Trey Lance he's not he doesn't have, does he have a, uh, a hat that says the boys <laughs> I don't know I don't know if he's part of the boys he's not part of the boys can't, oh, can't can't sit can't sit here. <laughs> was that happy? Or not happy? Get more. Uh, Forrest Gump. Can't Forrest Gump. Sit, yeah, yeah. Can't sit here. Can't sit here. Can't sit courtside with us, pal. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, thanks everybody for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Croc and I breaking down all the prospects. Got a little Winky Wednesday tomorrow. 
and uh, let us know if you want to hear something uh, about a specific prospect that the 49ers have drafted or signed post-draft coming up on future episodes of Locked On 49ers.